0: BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.
1: You're listening to a Weebie Geeks Network podcast. Welcome. What is this place? Never, never land. We're
2: going to bring ghosts from all over the world.
1: Join us. The children are screaming. And
2: we guarantee them creaky doors and creaky floors.
1: Be sure to bring your death certificate.
2: Take your pixies out of your pockets, Neverlanders. Now
1: clear your minds. knows what scares you?
2: Okay, yeah, so maybe I know what scares you, but don't worry, I'm just your happy spider pan Jeremy, and I'm just here to give you a little pixie dust, grab the your happiest sot and fly away to Neverland. Although it may be a little spooky around here because we're going to talk about the 1982 classic horror film that might be okay for most of your family, Steven Spielberg's Poltergeist, Although he did not direct it, he did write it. Uh, he passed the directing off to another director who was well known for Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So yeah, this was in for a dreaded film. And this is one that scared me as a child. But overall, most of the film I think you'd be alright to watch with your family. But I would maybe have some older children. We're going to talk about that film later. Also, it's... Well, you could call them some Disney collections in there. It's a stretch, but that's what we do around here. But we also have lots of fun Disney news. Pixie Heather will be here to join me to talk about Poltergeist. Unfortunately, Lost Boy Eric can't join me yet again this week. It's going to probably be like this until maybe December with my crazy schedule and his crazy schedule. But he will be back on the show, I promise you. But we have lots of fun to get to, so let's just dive right in, shall we?
1: the Disney and Geek Universe to bring you the best in comics, toys, movies, and entertainment. This is news from around Neverland.
2: All right, first thing I definitely want to talk about before we actually really talk about some news, something I just learned about, the 2018 Discover Pods Award. And I'll put a link up in the show notes, discoverpods.com slash 2018-discover-pods-awards-nominations. I know it's a lot for me to tell you now, but they're looking for nominations of podcasts in order to uh, take place in some sort of... uh, some sort of, I guess, a contest. I don't know. It says here on the website, Another year, another great slate of podcasts, new and old. It's been written ad nauseum, but because of podcasts, low barrier of entry, literally anyone can make a podcast. We're experiencing a flood of creative folks making some great podcasts, and the market may, prove, may move around, and pundits can speculate on whether we're in a bubble or not, but the one thing that's unassailable, there's never been a better time to be a podcast fan. Last year, the inaugural Discover Pods Awards, we received over 4,000 nominations and over 6,000 voted on the finalists. S-Town was the big winner, taking home four trophies, including Best Overall Podcast, Best Podcast Episode, Best New Podcast, and Best True Crime Podcast. You can see a full list on the website. But uh, they're winning some new nominations. The nominations have already opened and run until October 26th at 6 p.m. Eastern. If you go to the website that I'm going to link up in the show notes, I'll make sure I share it to Twitter and to Facebook, you can nominate the Neverland Podcast, and I would greatly appreciate that. So if you would do that, please take the time. It won't take you too long, I hope. Also, something else that's not quite news, but I thought it was interesting. D23 put out on their website some facts about that great Trick or Treat animated short. Now, I know you've seen this one, right? This is Donald Duck and his nephews. Donald Duck refuses to treat his nephews. They go and find Witch Hazel, and uh, Donald pays for his stinginess. But there are some interesting facts that they actually shared on D23 this week that I want to share a few with you. Uh, Jack Hanna actually did this one. He has a career of 65 Donald Duck shorts, and he later recalled directing this Halloween-themed cartoon as particularly enjoyable. Uh, The ref animation was actually completed by February 1952, and an incomplete version was screened for a specially invited Disney studio personnel not involved in the production, which was actually a common Disney practice in the 1950s and 60s. They would have an ARI, or Audience Research Institute, which was created to get a public opinion poll, uh, and then actually George Gallup adapted it from Disney, and actually Disney adapted it from him, so the Gallup poll. Uh, And so this actually, it screened very well actually when they were trying to look at audience reaction and everything and this was actually a lot of fun and this is even one of my favorite Now, veteran Disney story artist Ralph Wright actually created this story, had a lot of gags in there, all from, of course, the witchcraft of Witch Hazel. And he was actually contributed to a lot of the shorts from the Goofy How-To series, and even as Bambi in Alice in Wonderland, he did some nice little gags and fun in there. He was really renowned, actually, for wild ideas, and the hijinks really in there is really part of his um, wild imagination. The Cinderella songwriters actually... Were part of this Composed by Mac David, Al Hoffman And Jerry Livingston They're the ones of course responsible for the songs in Cinderella But also for the song Trick or Treat Sung by the Mellow Men Who actually harmonized for actually quite a few Projects Uh, Can anyone say Haunted Mansion? Just in case you want to know The song Trick or Treat was actually later recorded by some Masketeers, Carrie Pendleton and Cubby O'Brien In 1958 for the holidays With the Masketeers Speaking of Witch Hazel Jack Hanna actually found that working on the character of Witch Hazel was actually a lot of fun and he said we had a lot of fun with her. She spoke sort of Shakespearean English full of thousand D's and was actually voiced by the great and unfortunately late June Ferre and I can't say anyone that would have been better for the role personally. She was really great. I mean she's later Grammy Gummy Magic at a Spell in DuckTales and even in Mulan as Grandmother Fa, the great June Ferre. Carl Barks also a Disney legend and comic writer, actually in Donald Duck number 26, adapted Trick or Treat into a comic book. Although he does say, I didn't see the movie until long afterwards. I was sent the storyboard stats and told to make the stuff into a feature-length story. I soon found out the material wouldn't fit into 32 pages that were in the length of a feature, so I added some extra stuff. So an additional sequence are where the nephews attempt to find the hair of the billy goat to complete which hazel spell, and the added material mostly centered on a six-armed cyclops smorgasbord, the ogre, otherwise known as Smorgie the Bad. Barks' editors excite Smorgie, unfortunately, before publication. And three decades later, these lost pages were actually restored under Barks' supervision and publicized in the hardcover collection the Karl Barks Library in 1986. And, of course, the Halloween-centric comic book has actually been reprinted internationally... ...actually many times... ...personally I'd love to get a copy... ...I must say... ...now... ...Witch Hazel... ...she doesn't have much glamour or beauty... Uh, ...she's not really the traditional movie queen... ...let's face it... ...but she makes up for, with a... Uh, ...actually quite a bit of charisma... And she never actually appeared in any theatrical release Disney cartoons, but she did pop up in The Mad Hermit of Chimney Butt, or Butte. I'm not sure how, I think that's supposed to be Butte, B-U-T-T-E, which was actually broadcast on Walt Disney Presents on April 1st of 1960, which actually had some new witch hazel animation from Jack Hanna. And there's even a little golden book, Donald Duck and the Witch, published in 1953, which was just a year after the release. And the art was adapted by Dick Kelsey, who was, or yeah, Dick Kelsey, who actually was a Disney artist there, and in this new version, the witch appears again with the nephews, and they all share a fall harvest feast. Hazel went on to more publication fame, and was the star of comic books overseas, as well as in the U.S., in the second issue of the Beagle Boys comic book in November 1965, even if Hazel is inexplicably called Wanda Witch. You can definitely recognize her. Now, there is a record Yes, that's right. In 1974, a winningly witchy woman was featured on her own LP record album, which was released by Disneyland Records, now known as Walt Disney Records. Trick or Treat Story and Songs of Halloween is an unusual blend of original animated short soundtrack melded with newly written narration for Witch Hazel, performed by Ginny Tyler, also a Disney legend. She's uh, pretty much beloved as the Disneyland storyteller, so I'm sure you know her voice. But she actually delivers Hazel's dialogue in her own style, well, of course, skillfully matching June Foray's original dialogue, which is, of course, retained for the classic recording. And as an extra spooky surprise, this LP came with two Halloween masks, one of Hazel, one of a pumpkin, and presumably the jack-o'-lantern who pops up to say boo at the end of the cartoon. And this of course, in development as early as 1951. It was actually October 1952 that it was targeted for release, even though it did play a special pre-release engagement late in September at the prestigious Radio City Music Hall in New York City. And, of course, it has endured and demonstrated that the very next year it was included in the Halloween Hilarities, which was a theatrical release compilation of some spooky Disney shorts. And, of course... The Battle Between Donald Witch Hazel has been showcased innumerably in lots of anthologies on the Disneyland TV series, uh, the All About the Magic on January 30, 1957, uh, The Mouse Factory on 1972... Uh, Disney Halloween, which first aired in 1981. Uh, Scary Story Ever, Halloween Spectacular, that debuted on the Disney Channel on October 8th, 2017. That actually shows Huey, Dewey, and Louie wearing their classic costumes from the short, but this was actually part of the newer series, and they actually have some images from this on the D23 website. So some very fun and interesting facts that I learned this week. Now, this is a story that I've had to follow for a little bit this week. Uh, I was trying to get a little bit more details because I saw that someone had tweeted of, you know, asking the question what Disneyland or what Disney were going to do with some of the land that was planned to be a four-diamond hotel there in Anaheim. Unfortunately, that fourth hotel on the Disneyland Resort is... Moved from an indefinite hold to flat-out canceled. And a written statement from Disneyland spokeswoman Liz Jaeger says, We've taken the time to review the economics of our proposed four-diamond hotel for Anaheim and have made the final decision to cancel the project. While this is disappointing for many, the conditions and agreements that stimulated this investment in Anaheim no longer exist, and we must therefore adjust our long-term investment strategy. And, of course, this came from the city of Anaheim. It is the city's position that Disney would not be entitled to the tax rebate were it to move forward under its current hotel construction plans. I'm pretty sure that really had a lot to do with the decision to cancel this project, is no longer getting that tax break there from the city of Anaheim, which, in my opinion, might be a bad plan from Anaheim because the biggest part of their economy has got to be Disneyland and all of its resort. So... Personally, I think that was probably a bad move. Maybe they felt Disney should have been paying a little bit more in the tax, but still, they're helping the local economy. I'm sure by being there, so that's really not going to help. But uh, Todd Ament, CEO and president of the Anaheim Chamber of Con- Commerce has this to say. He says Measure L contributed to the harsh political rhetoric and poor business climate in Anaheim, and that led to the cancellation of Disney's fourth hotel. The jobs lost and future tax revenue eliminated from this news is devastating to Anaheim and a direct result of special interests trying to pit too many in Anaheim against each other. Let's vote no on Measure L and send a message that we want to work together for an Anaheim in which we will all win together, not at each other's Expense. Now, I'm not exactly sure what Measure L details. If you happen to live around the city of Anaheim, uh, apparently this is a big deal for you. Uh, so, I think you probably should do some research if that happens to affect you. I have some other cancellation news, though, that you're not going to like. The Jedi Training Academy, it appears to be coming to a close at the Disneyland Resort. Although, Disney's Hollywood Studios is keeping it. We have a Disney representative that confirmed that it will close. Uh, I did read from somebody who mentioned it was going to be around about November 4th, or at least early November. And Laughing Place even has a report that says, At the Disneyland Resort, we continually refine and adjust our creative entertainment offerings while still preserving the guest experience. Star Wars remains a huge focus for us, and we look forward to the opening of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge next summer. Now... The, the part of this that I wonder about is if they're just going to create a new version that's going to appear in Galaxy's Edge but Galaxy's Edge takes place in the current trilogy with the First Order and there isn't really a Jedi training going on so I can see maybe Disneyland they're trying to get everything thematically to match up and so maybe they don't want to have something of the basically prequel time mixing it with the sequel time, know what I mean? So I have a feeling they're just trying to get that to work together in some fashion. Uh, I think you're going to have a lot of disappointed kids who never got a chance to go up on stage. Uh, In fact, it's some adults that maybe would like to have gotten a chance to go on stage, and we really never did. Uh, So... Yeah, that's just—I don't think it's just sad all around. But I have a feeling Disneyland's going to have something special in Galaxy's Edge that'll be similar. So I think we are going to get to see something. Uh, I'm—you know—even though they get rid of something, doesn't mean there's not something new that uh, we're going to get in its place that we're not going to enjoy, right? So let's let's try to hold back the tears for a little bit, right? Now, something else I found over here in WDW news today is. There's an overhaul, of course, happening around Spaceship Earth and some of the uh, the Tomorrow's World type of area or Future World. It's part of a project called Project Gamma, Then that's apparently what Walt Disney Imagineering is calling it. And this, of course, is this overhaul, and we're expecting it could take about two years. We're expecting it to close the ride in around early 2020 and then reopen at the park's 40th anniversary around the second half of 2022. That's exactly what we're expecting, anyway. Uh, now, I don't know that we have a whole lot of details about the overhaul and what all is going to happen. I've heard something about maybe a new entry area, some changes. ...changes for the unload, of course, you know. So, I don't know exactly what's going on there, but uh, there will be some refreshment of some of the scenes. Uh, I expect maybe some new narration, a lot of changes. It's not closing for a while yet, but you know, we're expecting it potentially could close for two years. But uh, I will wait to, to worry about it, I guess, and once we have an official word from the Disney company. This, of course, is from a new source, and WDW News Today, I think, is fairly reliable. But now we're from the Disney Parks blog, and this is where we do get some reliable information. The Salt and Straw just opened in downtown Disney District at the Disneyland Resort. And this, of course, is the scoop shop from the Orange County Salt and Straw, a Portland-based family-run ice cream known for its taste-provoking flavors. Now, you might remember me mentioning this a long time ago of all these weird flavors that somehow or another are uh, popular. You uh, you know. <laughs> But you can get some interesting stuff. I mean, you can get some handmade waffle cones with some fudge and rainbow sprinkles. I mean, you can get some normal sounding stuff. It's just the ice cream that's really interesting. Uh, so I mean, you get some stuff there. Standalion chocolate, sight glass coffee. Uh, there, you know, so there's some odd things kind of mixed together that wouldn't be too bad. But some other things that they mentioned on that first story a while back was really. Um, Interesting, a very distinctive type of mixed flavors, but apparently it's popular enough that uh, Disney thought it was worthy to bring in a uh, version of that to uh, Disneyland, downtown Disney District. So, somebody who tries it out, let me know what you think. Now, this is also very cool. Moving over to the East Coast, you might happen to know that there was a big hurricane that just hit Florida. Well, the Walt Disney Company is going to donate about a million dollars in humanitarian aid in supporting some of the communities that were hit by Hurricane Michael. And Bob Iger says, all of us here at Disney have the families and communities impacted by this powerful storm in our hearts. Florida has been our home for almost 50 years, and our contribution will support our neighbors as they rebuild their communities in the wake of this powerful storm. So we definitely appreciate uh, doing that, and uh, it it does here on the Parks blog that in addition to Disney's donation announced, contribution from Disney employees are eligible to eligible relief and recovery organizations will be matched dollar for dollar by Disney employee matching gifts which is a program of the Walt Disney Company Foundation so they're doing initially a million but it'll be more depending upon how much the cast members and employees of Disney also donate so that will of course go over very well and be very helpful I'm sure to all the victims and we are thinking of you and hope you get all the help you need to rebuild I mean, this so soon after having just had a hurricane hit down south. This is very, very devastating. Well, after some bad news, it's nice to get to a little bit of good news. There's been an ultimate Disney Christmas time package put together that you might be interested in. It's a four-day theme park tickets with park hopper options, and this will be at the Disney Deluxe Villa Resort hotel when you're going to check in December 17th, checking out December 22nd. It's a five-night stay at Disney Moderate or Disney Deluxe or Disney Deluxe Via. Uh, so there is some options there, but you're going to get exclusive nighttime access to Toy Story Land on December 17th. You're also going to re- get to celebrate the season, of course, at the very Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party on December the 18th. Exclusive nighttime access to select Disney's Animal Kingdom attractions on December 19th. And this, of course, includes the Avatar Flight of Passage and the Navi River Journey, Expedition Everest, and Dinosaur, plus an exclusive showing of Rivers of Light at Disney's Animal Kingdom. Then you're going to get an exclusive early morning access to shopping at World of Disney over at Disney Springs, and also the Christmas Tree Trail Experience on December the 20th. Uh, You get to have some hot chocolate and some cotton candy, so you can sugar up. That way, you can also enjoy an exclusive holiday-themed buffet dinner at Epcot on December the 21st. Now, of course, theme park admission is included with this package, and so you can go and check out the Frozen Holiday Wish at the Magic Kingdom Park, and of course, all the fun activities and all the other parks. This, of course, runs. For, this this can be booked from October twenty second to twenty second. Now, you can get this package starting at one hundred seventy five dollars per person per night for a family of four in a garden view room at Disney's Port Orleans Riverside Resort, and that's a total package price of three thousand five hundred dollars. But uh, price based on two adults, one junior, one child, of course. Uh, There are some varieties on where you want to be able to stay, but this is a very nice package. Uh, I would contact, of course, your travel agent or get a hold of the Walt Disney Travel Company to ask about this. This does sound very cool. Uh, It's definitely if you want to have a big holiday and you've got the money to spend on it or some room on your credit card, uh, I would definitely check into this. Of course, I'm only a family of two, but I suppose we might, you know, team up with another family of two? Maybe. I don't know. All right. Speaking of a long-distance journey, anyone feeling like going to Disneyland Paris here in 2019? because there's a lot of new and returning experiences actually starting here this holiday season. There's, of course, they're going to celebrate Mickey's 90th birthday as well with the Mickey and his Phil Harmajik, our orchestra at the Discoveryland Theater. And also, there's going to be a new float, Mickey's Illusion Manor, which, of course, is part of the Halloween Parade. And, of course, a surprise for Mickey, which is an interactive show at Walt Disney Studios Parks during the Christmas season. You're going to, of course, get The Enchanted Christmas starting on November 10th. Uh, There's a lot of Fun going here with Mickey's Big Band Christmas, Goofy's Incredible Christmas, and the new year, of course, when it comes in, Pirates and Princesses Festival is going to run from January 19th through March 17th in 2019. And this, of course, is going to go along with the, the swashbuckling and sovereignty that you would expect. And, of course, Legend of the Force, a celebration of Star Wars, is going to show up January 12th through March 17th. So you can go straight from Star Wars into Pirates of the Caribbean. And, heck, you can even hug Chewbacca, so there's going to be some meet and greets. And, of course, you can pledge allegiance to the light side or the dark side. Also, the Marvel superheroes are going to be over at the Walt Disney Studios Park in 2019. And there's going to be a new hero in with them. In fact, I am Groot. That's right, Groot, Spider-Man, Iron Man... Captain America and more of the Avengers will be there in Paris. And, of course, there's going to be a new Festival of the Lion King and Jungle Go Wild from July through September of 2019. So there's lots of fun happening in Disneyland Paris. So if you have not gone and you've been thinking about going, or if you've been before and you've been thinking about coming back, some new stuff is coming, so definitely worth a look. One other sort of outside Disney news to tell you about James Gunn, of course, we know that he's been fired from the third Guardians of the Galaxy, but Warner Brothers... Took an eye out, and uh, looks like he's probably going to be writing and directing the sequel to Suicide Squad, which I've got to say is a pretty good idea. We already know he can take a band of rogues and make them into heroes. Now, there was some split decision on whether or not Disney should have fired him. I completely understand Disney's point of view as far as not wanting to be connected with uh, the, some of the comments he made. That's very non-Disney, so... You know, that's Disney has to do what they got to do. I I don't think it means that Disney will never work with him again. I'm sure eventually uh, they'll bring him back around for something. But this is a pretty smart move to, while he is available, Warner Brothers to start talking to him and get this moving into the direction of a Suicide Squad film. Uh, Very, very smart move. So I, you know, as much as I thought the first Suicide Squad movie was just okay, this may make a Suicide Squad movie that uh, I'd be interested in viewing. All right, y'all. One more time. It don't matter what you look like. It don't nobody going to sing with okay.
1: The Neverland Trailer Park.
2: All right. Now, the trailer for the trailer park is really just a teaser. And really, it's just music other than getting to hear Frank Welker's Cave of Wonders voice again. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to bother playing the audio because it's pointless. But Pixie Heather came in here to be able to uh, talk about this a little bit. Hi. Yep. And, uh...
3: <laughs> I mean, it, sound, it looks good. Like, um, I, I you know, it, it kind of definitely is like a, a teaser, kind of like, you know, here we see the desert, and here we see Iago flying over, and you kind of set in the scene, um, and then we see, of course, the Cave of Wonders briefly, and then it ends with Aladdin reaching for the lamp.
2: Yeah, that's about it. Mm-hmm. So, that really didn't show us anything, because the real question, Will Smith as the genie. Yeah. Is that going to be worth looking at? Uh, right now, though, we did uh, Billy Magnuson as Prince Anders. I have no idea who in the world that is, but I guess we're going to get to see some princes. Mm-hmm. Naomi Scott playing Jasmine. Nassim Pedrad playing somebody named Dahlia. Mina Masood. We get to see him as Aladdin. Uh, the, the costume, I mean, it looks like a very uh, it resembles, uh, something cartoony about his costume. It just doesn't look like normal clothing. He look, He looked like he's in the musical. I oh, don't know, it just had the Broadway mm-hmm. look. Which I mean this is the musical. There all the songs are gonna be there. Yeah. So you know, uh, Marwin Kenzari as Jafar. I think we did get to see him because we do see somebody in this goofy kind of pointed Arabian style hat.
3: I guess I missed that. Yeah,
2: he's there. kind of all over in the far right when you see him going into the Cave mm-hmm. of Wonders. The Cave of Wonders is not animated. Uh, I I guess it would Which have looked... Which is probably
3: a- okay because yeah. real real action, like real life, it, it might not have, have looked that. very good.
2: Yeah. yeah. Uh, Navid Nagab, Nagab, you have to forgive me on these name Nagabah, but he's playing the Sultan. We've also got somebody named Hakim, we got Ali's servant. Uh, so you know, this is coming out there. Guy Ritchie's directing this thing, it was written by John August and Guy Ritchie. Now, Guy Ritchie, you might be familiar with his name, and uh, I don't know that he's really done anything that I was that impressed with. I mean, he did the, the Sherlock Holmes remakes with Robert Downey Jr., and okay. I mean. So he can do some fun, kind of fast-paced, just action and just light-hearted fun. But, uh, pfft, you know, he's done a lot of things. Wow, well, The Man from U.N.C.L.E., I don't even remember if that movie came out. I remember they were making it, but I guess we didn't see it. Oh, look! Rumored pre-production on Sherlock Holmes 3. I never saw this the uh, second one. But, yeah, he's done a lot of just movies that maybe you weren't that worried about. He's not really...
3: Sherlock Holmes are probably the most notable of what I'm seeing here.
2: Yeah, so I mean, he's he's not. I think he first came to fame because wasn't he briefly married to Madonna?
3: Oh, I don't know.
2: Yeah, I think that was the thing that we first learned about him. And so he can do some fun movies. Well, so, I think so. It,
3: I mean, I think it's worth a look. I didn't see yeah. anything that would turn me off. Um,
2: well, they have turned off Terry Rossio. Now, Terry Rossio is one of the original writers for the Aladdin animated film, and he's also done some work on the Pirates of the Caribbean films. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's actually pretty upset. Hmm. So let me just read exactly what he was tweeting. He said, so strange that literally the only word spoken in the new Aladdin trailer happens to be a rhyme that my writing partner and I wrote, and Disney offers zero compensation to us, or to any screenwriters on any of these live-action remakes, not even a t-shirt or a pass to the park. Mm. And now he goes on to complain, but he does say in the end, to be fair, Disney paid their contracted fees. It's more of a lack of recognition, a remake payment, a chance to view the film, inclusion onto the team, a pass to the park. One cannot presume generosity, but lack anything at all seems I don't know if he has gauch or gosh gauch yeah. uh, which I can see you know if they're just remaking your film and you're still alive and it's something recent maybe you'd want to be included in the team I, I can understand that but they at don't least a have a nod any. to a you nod know, yeah based
3: off of the you know animated movie or but something like they that
2: they actually don't owe him anything a nod oh so it would be a nice yeah. gesture
3: yes I think I mean, that's what he's saying. Movies
2: get remade all the time. Heck, A Star is yeah. Born is like the third or fourth time somebody's made that. I don't know how they managed to turn that into an R film, but I, that's wow. that's beside the point. But movies get remade all the time, and they don't really go and find some of the original people, except for maybe in cameos, like, I don't know, Ghostbusters, which I call Answer the Call, because that seems to be what they title it. You got a cameo from most of the cast of Ghostbusters, which unfortunately didn't make that film any better.
1: Mm. <laughs>
2: So it is nice to have a nod, mm-hmm. but you know, we wouldn't recognize Terry Rossio if he did have an appearance as a cameo, but yeah, granted, they did directly take a line, but it's a remake.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: There's a lot of lines been put in there. and maybe they should give some acknowledgement because hey, we wrote those lines originally, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, I can see his point, but mm-hmm. and they maybe should just do some a nice gesture for him like, hey, thank you or let him come to the screening. The premiere of it would be good. Uh, and he yeah. should. I thought he already would have had a lifetime pass. Usually, you work for Disney, you get to come in all the time. And yeah. he's writing pirates movies, and hopefully, we're done with those now. But, but you know, so I'm sure he still, you know, has some sway to get in the park. Well, I mean, we're not familiar with his name. You know, it's not a household name. But but overall, I'm I'm my jury is still out on this one.
3: I mean, I I want to see it. Yeah, i am um, go. Not, I haven't been turned off from it so. Yeah, I mean
2: we can. <laughs> That's what we can say. We haven't been turned off.
3: But I mean, I I'm I'm fine. I think you know we'll be it'll be we'll go and we'll enjoy and um, we'll just have to go with just expectations of seeing it as it is and not yeah. what we would like to see it yeah, as. Or
2: we've seen every Disney remake, I guess, so far in a theater like opening weekend. Have we? Yes, we have, and this one's actually coming out on our anniversary, 16 year anniversary. Hmm. So as an anniversary date, we'll go see the live-action Aladdin and hopefully just have a really good time. And hopefully Will Smith makes a fantastic genie. It's not Will Smith playing Will Smith playing the genie. Well, that's no. the only thing I'm really worried about. I want to see Will Smith genie.
3: You cannot expect him to be uh, Robin Williams.
2: But he's he's got to create something that's still just as lovable. Hmm. And I think he can. But I want to see what he did. So... That, the, the entire movie rests on what Will Smith is capable of, of doing as the genie.
0: Hmm.
2: I mean, frankly, because the reason why the first one... The first one's got a good story, but Robin Williams carried that movie. That is a Robin Williams movie, that original.
3: Okay. Well, so I'm not arguing. You've really...
2: But... I mean, and on Broadway, they've got a guy who apparently is fantastic... Mm-hmm. And I hope maybe Will Smith for you know a little bit of inspiration maybe went to go watch him. And even in Disneyland, which I really wish I'd have gotten to see in their stage show of Aladdin, they always had a great person, a genie that was super funny. So there's a lot there's potential that somebody can be good, but you know, being on stage and seeing in a theater, there's just that little bit of a mental difference. Yeah. So Will Smith has got to be hilarious in this. And I think he can be. He's can be mm-hmm. really funny. So it could be, but I'm afraid of what if it isn't, you know?
3: Well, and it might be kind of like um, you know, like our change in the Joker. Like we're so used to Robin Williams, this may be different jo- William- but oh, just as good. The Joker? Well, okay, so like you know, if Jack Nicholson's Joker okay, you and then we Robin have Williams. Heath, okay. Heath Ledger's Joker and like those two, you can't but they're, compare they're them. They're both good. They're both good, yeah. but you can't compare them to each other. So that's that's what we might yeah. see.
2: I was wondering where you're going with that cuz you had Joker and Robin Williams and I was like, "What?" Uh, Robin Williams would have made an interesting Joker. He would have been good. He would have been really cool.
3: He would have been really off the wall.
2: Yeah, there were some rumors at one point that were talking about him being the Riddler. That would have oh. been kind of cool.
3: I, oh, okay, so here's a little Robin Williams trivia, and I don't, maybe you already knew. I was watching um, uh, Baron, The Adventures of Baron Munchausen. Baron Munchausen. Munchausen. Isn't he
2: the moon in that?
3: He, okay, so yes, he is in the film. He is the king of the moon. Okay. But he is not, he's not in the list of the people. He's not credited. Really? No, he's not credited. Why? When you see it says uh, King of the Moon, it says Ray 2 Tutu or whatever, and I was like, "What is that?" Well, when the the King of the Moon shows up, he introduces himself as the God of everything, and so that's what it is. And. Latin or whatever.
2: Rede Tute?
3: Tute, yeah. And so, anyway, but he was a last-minute throw-in. They kept trying to find people to fill that role, but people didn't either didn't want it or they didn't think it fit, and so he just kind of happened into it at the last minute. But he is not credited, but he is the king of the moon on the and Adventures he's fun. of Baron Manchester. I haven't watched
2: that movie in a long time. Yeah. I think I've only seen it once. But he's fun.
3: He is. He's fun. It's, he's it's,
2: fun and everything, except for when he plays scary parts, because he has done that before, too. Mm-hmm. But speaking of scary parts... Uh, it's time to move into Scary Zone!
1: To Disney and beyond! Oh! The house looks just like the one next to it. And the one next to that. And the one next to that. A young couple live in it. Give Ken a kiss. <laughs> you are so amazing! With their three children. And something more. Hello. Hello. They're here. Sweetie, They're there. remember last night? Do you remember when you woke up and you said you were here? Uh-huh. Well, who did you mean? Who's here? TV people. Something's funny going on here next door. Something, uh... We were wondering if maybe you had experienced any disturbances lately.
0: What what kind of disturbances? I don't know what hovers over this house. I've never sensed anything like it. That
1: thing is in there with my face. Now Steven Spielberg crosses a frightening new threshold into a world within our own. Its form is revealed. What is it? Its focus is clear.
2: knows what scares you. Okay, pop quiz.
3: Uh, I didn't study.
2: Oh, don't worry, I think you can pass this one. It okay. should be should be fairly obvious. Okay, so what does Mr. Incredible, Luke Skywalker, being swallowed by something other than a Sarlacc pit, but something that does resemble a Sarlacc pit if you think about it, what do they have in common?
3: What? What? <laughs> <laughs> I can only guess Poltergeist, since yeah. that's what we're that we're, we're, we're talking, talking about.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, because Craig T. Nelson, this is the first movie I saw Craig T. Nelson in. And we're mainly just Disney fans. We know him, of course, as Mr. Incredible in two films. Or as Coach. You probably know him as Coach, because a lot of people watch that one. That's a fun show. That's
3: probably how I knew him first, was Coach. Yeah. Because I, mean, I didn't see Poltergeist until I was an adult.
2: I saw it when I was a kid, and that probably screwed me up. <laughs> <laughs> so this is why I can say this is something maybe you could watch as a family. I know I was this month overall looking at black and white films. Mm-hmm. This is,
3: uh, though, old enough. Yeah, I mean, this like is old enough, and it's PG.
2: Mm-hmm. It, there are some things I, I think I mentioned at the beginning of the show that you might, some younger kids maybe shouldn't watch, and maybe I saw it when I was a little too young. I was five years old when this movie came out. That would have
3: terrified me at five.
2: I probably saw it when I was six, I think, you know, because when it came on HBO and we would watch it. But really, the only thing I think would might be a little eject, objectionable is one point where this one character's face melts off. And you can see when it's about to happen, because this face, only tells you can tell it's in a waxy effect thing, and it looks very similar to something out of Raiders of the Lost Ark. And heck, that, the ending of Raiders of the Lost Ark was a bit much for me when I was a little kid, when the faces were melting. That was... Uh, you know, I almost—I had trouble going into Temple of Doom because I was thinking it was going to end and have horrible things like that. But Temple of Doom was great. So i was um, a
3: teenager when I saw it. Yeah, I Andy was Jones. still
2: really young at Temple of Doom, too. And the, the heart rip was a little... Freaky for me, but I got through Temple of Doom pretty well. But yeah, Poltergeist, uh, that face melting, it's so don't let your younger kids see it. Mm -hmm. But if you have older kids, I'd say if your kids are around 10 years old, you could sit with the family and still watch this and have some good fun because really, this is 999 happy haunts and there was room for a thousand. So the last one that moved in, unfortunately, was really ticked off.
3: That's a stretch, dear.
2: That ain't a stretch, but there is a stretching hallway. <sighs> oh, yes. And in fact, when I first heard the audio for the Haunted Mansion, that tape, and if you hear jingling, that's the cat again. You never, I've already mentioned when other pixie Heather joins me, the cat has to come in too, otherwise, the cat would be crying at the door. But when they talk about the stretching room, because I had not seen the Haunted Mansion, I had seen no pictures, but that, that Ron Howard Thorough Raven Scrap recording when they talk about a stretching it in, in a gallery, I thought it was a long hallway gallery, and I had pictured this scene from Poltergeist where the hallway stretches, which is actually really, just mainly a really good camera trick. Uh, as the mother, Diane, tries to run to go and try to help the children that are being sucked into something, that does resemble a sarlacc pit. I hadn't really thought of it before. And even a tentacle comes out. I thought you were out. talking
3: about the tree.
2: Oh, no. that The tree doesn't look like a sarlacc pit. But that thing in the wall does.
3: Mm. Yeah.
2: So, overall, now this movie basically is built on the premise that you don't really find out till the end. And so, potential spoiler warning. Well, I won't say why things. Well, I, we're going to have to get into it by the end. But... Mm-hmm. There's Basically, they've been living in this house for over five years. There's a family, the uh, Freelings, and something weird happens one night. Now, this was back. You have to explain. If your kids are going to watch this with you, you may have to explain them that we used to have, like, three major channels, whatever, you know. And yeah. channels would sign off at night, mm-hmm. and uh, they'd end with the national anthem and some patriotic imagery, and then we go <coughs> static, which you don't get a static screen anymore. Now your screen is just probably black on an HDTV you, won't, you don't see a yeah. static screen anymore well, these When states. I was a kid,
3: I actually stayed up late to see if it would do that, and then it got the color screen and a beep. That's what yeah. I got.
2: Yeah, some, some stations would do that, but yeah. a lot of times it would go to static. Mm-hmm. But it, it basically, if there was a channel you t- or turned your knob to that didn't actually exist, you'd get a static screen. But basically, one night there's a static screen, and they use on the concept of electrical white noise type of thing. That little Carol Ann, this little five year old girl, five year old girl, worked that Steven Spielberg discovered and decided to put her in this film because she's
3: she's super cute.
2: She's super, she's adorable little girl. She's very and she's innocent very natural. looking,
3: very yes.
2: But she hears something from the TV downstairs and gets up and goes and here, and she starts talking to the TV like there's people in the TV. So that's just kind of beginnings. That's like the set of like the opening scene, and everything seems okay, but then it happens again, and something nasty comes out of that TV, and it's really neat because it looks like a Raiders of the Lost Ark, drawn animated effect. Just like this hand reaches for and makes me jump every time. Just ah, this hand wow. comes out to get her, and then goes up into the wall, and that's when everything goes really super wild. And this is so they're
0: this, here. Yeah,
2: that's where that, that line became famous. Mm-hmm. There's also uh, you know, a few other lines that really became famous from this, but so little Carol Ann has been kind of communicating with these voices, which we find out later that it is. There's a whole lot of ghosts in that house, and at first they're during the day they they're pranksters. They that's why I compare it to the haunted mansion because they pretend to terrorize, hmm. they don't actually do any harm. They'll scoot chairs, chairs around, slide around chairs around, they stack
3: them and things.
2: stack them in weird pyramids, and it's enough. to, Well, it'll give you a start.
3: Well, it's like it starts but with they're... the classic poltergeist. Like, if you if you knew anything about poltergeists, you know, like, they, they move things around in your house. And that's the way it starts is just a simple little, you know, we're going to mess with your stuff type of thing.
2: Yeah. And, but they seem like they're just prankish. Mm-hmm. I don't. I, the, most of the ghosts seem to be, they're, they pretend to terrorize. They're not really meaning and really harm. So you have mm-hmm. some... Not quite friendly ghosts. There's even some really funny bits where the piano kind of follows Stephen out the door as he's sending his boss out. Did you notice? No, I
3: didn't the, the notice The little
2: piano anything. as he's walking his boss, kind of, when he's meeting his boss outside and he wants yeah. to get his boss out of the house. Yeah. Because he's you know, like, the, oh, you, we've been worried about you. The piano behind Stephen kind of follows him up a little bit. Oh,
3: I didn't notice that. <laughs> it's pretty funny. I'm focusing on the conversation. I yeah. noticed that in the background. It's the,
2: some of the background things, that's why you can see Steven's like, I don't want him to see, you know, he's trying not to see this little, this mildest disturbances that happen during the day mm-hmm. with what I call the 999 happy haunts but of course there's room for a thousand but that thousands one came in and it is ticked off and it sounds like a cat in the background
3: yeah
2: uh, the, the ticked off mascot. one and oh uh, you know what let me just go ahead and uh, we'll, we'll get a description of this this last one here later there's a really great scene some great dialogue from someone they have to help but uh, the, the, main pre- the main plot of the movie is in a very disturbing scene this Everything that you've got established in this first scenes, early scenes, you kind of see what Robbie, their son, is kind of terrified of. his clown doll and the tree outside. And it's, we're getting the premise that it, it knows stuff about you.
3: Like, it's, it's watching and it knows kind of what you're afraid of.
2: And, and we'll that's, how,
3: that's how it's able to uh, work on you. Like, yeah. kind of, you know.
2: So, the, basically, the tree comes through the window and something that scared the heck out of me when I was a kid.
3: I was an adult when I saw it and that scared me.
2: <laughs> yeah, you you don't want. I don't really want a tree outside my window now. At any point,
3: I mean, I grew up with trees outside the window all the time. I mean, we've got them here, at, you know, at our place. But it just this this tree, and they did do a really good job of making it look like old, knobby, and scary, and like gnarly it might, looking tree. Might have like a face, you know, kind of sticking off to the side or something like that. You yeah. know, and so not that,
2: grandmother willow friendly either.
3: Yeah, no, I mean, like okay. it's it's it is a creepy tree, and they made, did a very good job of. Giving it some age, like it's been there. And they do make a point of saying, Oh, it's been here for so long and yeah, blah blah but blah. Dad's
2: like, I got this I wanted this lot with this tree because that tree would protect us. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, Dad, you're wrong. That tree tried to eat your son.
3: Well, and I wonder if it wouldn't have done it if the son hadn't been afraid of it.
2: Well, I know that's why the poltergeist used it. But what's interesting is you have and it's gonna be later called the Beast. There is that one that it's it's clever when you go back and watch it because You can definitely see the difference between what I'm calling the 999 Happy Haunts and the one. Because it distracts the parents away so it can do what it wants. And what it wants is little Carol Ann. Which the only reason we get for maybe that is Carol Ann was born in the house. And she seems to be uh, like a life force in the house that's kind of attractive to the the departed, we'll say. And, uh, of course, they go and they try to get some help. And there's this really, really great scene where and it's creepy and oh it's it's kind of sad because you hear caroline and they they don't know how to get to her and she's being chased by this thing Mm -hmm. and it's kind of it's because she's such a sweet little girl you're like oh poor little girl so there's this really great scene and i have some clips so we're gonna listen to it real fast
1: are you with us now can you can you say hello to daddy
0: Oh, sweepy
1: It's mommy, sweetheart. Hello, baby. Can you see me? Can you see mommy? We're home, baby. We're home. Can you find me? Can you find a way home to us, My baby? Way. I can't find you. I can't. I'm afraid of the light, Mommy. I'm afraid of the light. Catherine, just stay away from the light. Maybe it's a way out. It is, it is a way out, but not with her. Tell her quickly. Caroline, Catherine, just Car- stay away from Car- the light. Caroline. This is, sweetheart. This is stay away from the light. The light is dangerous. Don't go near it. The, don't even look at the light.
0: Dr. Lesh, I don't believe it. But the voice could be coming from a CB transmitter somewhere in the it house. out.
1: What the hell is this?
0: Anything? Nothing's registered. Mommy, there's somebody here. Is you? Oh, no, it's not Mommy. It Dr. Lesh? Who's
1: with you, baby? Who's with you? God. Oh my God. My baby. No. She's just a she took the baby. Helper! Helper! Can't you hear what's happening? Helper! Let's... Let's... It's her. I smell my clothes. It's her. She's all over me. It's her. She's all over me. It's her. I felt her. It is it's her. It's her. God. It is. It's. It is. It's my baby. It's my baby. She went through my soul. <laughs>
2: So this, this is kind of what keeps you into the film is it's got some real heart and you have to pick just the right little five-year-old to get everybody kind of involved to where it has that terrifying thing and the only thing you care about is, oh my gosh, we got to get this little girl back and this thing is chasing her
1: mm-hmm.
3: through
2: the house that you can't see.
3: Yeah, I mean, the this scene where you can, uh, mom feels their little girl like go through her and then something chasing her, you know, that really makes you feel you feel an urgency to, like, want to come in. Like, oh, you have to save the little girl. You join them in that that feeling of urgency to save them.
2: Yeah, that's that's kind of the heart of the film. And some great scoring by Jerry Goldsmith, because you have what's known as Caroline's Lullaby, which is sort of the main theme. And mm-hmm. you even commented when we were watching that, like, you have all this scary stuff. And then you know, this nice kind of so almost calming bit of music into the credits but that's kind of your main theme i mean this is basically a type of horror although this is spielberg horror so it's also got some humor but it's also got mm-hmm. a lot of heart which i think is what keeps the movie going and why it's kind of a classic mm-hmm. i mean it, it's scary but it's got some heart to it you're really pulling for this little girl but but also great selling point for this movie is when finally they you know because they, they bring in some experts yeah, uh, and they come in, and it's it's very interesting because the one guy that's he's trying to be skeptical, and he's like, "Well, you know, they could be transmitting this this noise of the dog from like CB, mm-hmm. you know, maybe it's the other stuff." Let me go check stuff. Uh, the Poltergeist or the Beast mm-hmm. decides he wants to really prove it's real, and that's the thing you got to watch for when he goes off for more food in the kitchen. If you have younger kids, maybe they don't want to watch this a scene. Gross. It's very disgusting, uh, especially when he gets to look at himself in the mirror. Uh, I, don't, I don't look at it. I, it's just nasty. It's gross. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a very fake-looking effect, but it's very gross. It's what should have worn them a bit more than a PG, but they didn't have PG-13 in 1982. And I, I hope we're not giving away the entire movie, but I just want to warn people of that scene, at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what really picks it up, and there's part of me in the fan film in my brain, I'd love to see Ghostbusters versus Poltergeist.
3: Well, I I think, I don't know, to your point of like him being skeptical and I didn't get, didn't take it that way. I kind of was thinking that, you know, sometimes people when they see something that's afraid, they try to rationalize it so that they cover up their fears. So I, I thought, you know, since they know what you're afraid of, that this guy was trying to be all like, oh, well, maybe they had this and maybe have that. But he really I was he it on shaking in his boots. Yeah. For real, but he's trying to be like, oh well no, it really can't be what I'm afraid it is. I think that's how it gets to him is, you know, the 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 bad entity knew. No, you're really scared, you know, about me, but you're trying to play it off.
2: Yeah, and so it messes with him mm-hmm. quite a bit, actually, I think.
3: He, yeah. It took a
2: bite out of him at one point.
3: He is probably lot oh, out of
2: him. He's bitten, but he he's not missing a chunk.
3: Yeah, I mean he's the one that it really gets the brunt of I mean no, While but, he's there. Yeah, I mean, even Carol Ann for being, you know, taken into the other, other realm is not harmed to the extent that this guy is.
2: Yeah, she's kind of being used, and we'll get to that clip yeah. later,
3: yeah.
2: Uh, which is also very interesting. But yeah, the, it goes really badly for that guy. Um and oh, and speaking of, and this is actually another kind of fun scene. Speaking of, I had mentioned there was a, a, a collection earlier. A Star Wars collection, which Robbie has all these Star Wars toys. And at one point, Carolina does have like a Luke Skywalker in her mouth. And I think that's why I made my joke earlier. But one thing that's a fun... I don't know if you ever caught this little detail or, or heard the cat in the background that once fed. Because it's 15 minutes away from feeding time. Quiet, kitty. So... <laughs> <laughs> you
3: made more noise than she did.
2: shush, shush kitty. Anyway, but... Did you notice that – so when they open the room, they're showing these paranormal investigators. There's three of them. That's funny. Uh, They open the door to the children's room. Before they get in there, I love the scene where uh, the one guy, Ryan, is like, oh, well, you know, I did record. It took seven hours for a Matchbox card to move on its own seven feet. And Steven, Craig T. Nelson, is just looking at him like, "Uh uh-huh, yeah, it moves seven feet in seven hours uh-huh, C- come and look in my children's room. You know, it's th- that look says everything. But he opens the door, and all these toys are just vortexing around. But did you notice when the TIE Fighter kind of flies by, you even hear Whoa, the TIE Fighter engine noise?
3: I guess I didn't notice the TIE Fighter. Yes. Like, uh, I noticed his blankets were like, you know, had uh, had Luke Skywalker or whatever on it, like Star Wars on them, and the Yoda, Yoda that was on his bed. bed. Yep. He had a Han Solo blaster yeah. that he was playing with. Um, so I mean, Darth like, Darth Vader
2: poster, uh, mm-hmm. Darth Vader toy case. You oh, can see his jacket had
3: Chewbacca on the back of it. Yes,
2: it did. Because yeah. Steven Spielberg and George Lucas got along pretty good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll just say that. And they were, I think at the time they were making this film, the reason why Steven Spielberg didn't direct it is probably because he might have been working on an Indiana Jones film at the time. Yeah. Oh, likely, I'm pretty yeah. sure that's what was going on. But it's nice to have all those nods to George mm-hmm. pretty much in there, which is why we get an excuse to talk well, about this film in, in, in my Disney show.
3: And at the time, and at the time that that would have been popular, like yeah. I mean, this was a reality for that time. Kids, Kids love Star Wars; have that they would have that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, it it is like it's it's it was set in that time and day; like it could happen today. Yeah, which I mean,
2: you'd have a Ray toy hanging out of Caroline's mouth.
3: <laughs> well, uh, yeah, well, Caroline's kind of odd. Like she's got the little baby whose head got popped off or yeah. whatever, and she—that's
2: well, just cute child. Yes, I love it's, that.
3: It's not, it's not like a yeah, I cut my head like uh, you know Adam's family or anything yeah, like it's that. Her it dolly was just and
2: she don't care it's broken. That's yeah, her Dolly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well,
3: we did too. Like we had you know toys that we.
2: You break it and you keep it. Yeah, anyway. yeah. It's
3: Yeah, because yeah, it's it's your toy, yeah. Yeah,
2: and it's fun to have that sweet little scene, which is almost mm-hmm. giving a hint to what's going on when they her, her canary dies and they bury it in the garden. Mm-hmm. And then the dog disturbs the grave. That, that actually gives away the story of why this all happens a little bit.
3: Well, did you notice when they were digging for the pool, the box gets dug up? Yeah. The canary box gets yeah. dug
2: up. Which shows you the further disturbance, because really this one year your ghost seems to be mad at the fact that... Uh, well, I guess we're spoiling a little bit that uh, the conclusion is that there was, the realtor, the people who own the land that was making this thing that Stephen works for the guy, said he moved a cemetery to build the neighborhood and he's about to move another cemetery. Mm-hmm. You come to find out he moved the tombstones and he left the bodies, bodies. Mm-hmm. which really upsets this one particular ghost, which mm-hmm. they, the three experts, after they see something even come down the stairs and they've seen some series, they've seen stuff that'll turn you white. Mm-hmm. Uh, they call in the expert and this is like the coolest, weirdest, creepiest little character. You've ever seen in a movie.
3: She's like the penultimate, like supernatural, like psychic character.
2: They should have given her a cameo in Ghostbusters two years you later. Should have. She'd have fit right in. Yep.
3: Oh, yeah. Let her play her li- and Egon could have had conversations.
2: Even yes. <laughs> maybe maybe could be the same character it would be mm-hmm. awesome. At her mm-hmm. Even though it would have been funny even to have her as the librarian. Yeah. I love the woman they had played the librarian. She was so funny in that, you know?
3: You, yeah, well, you couldn't have had that character being, a, it would have to be a totally different character because otherwise she wouldn't have been yeah. freaked out about it all. Yeah, yeah,
2: if it was the same character. But to at least have the actress would have been mm-hmm. fun. Uh, but I have another clip where you show exactly why this character is so good when she gives the description of. After she's explored the house, she knows exactly what's up and tells the the mother the uh, rather frightening truth.
1: No. Hold on to yourselves. There's one more thing. A terrible presence is in there with her. So much rage. So much betrayal. I've never sensed anything like it. I don't know what hovers over this house, but it was strong enough to punch a hole into this world and take your dog away from you. It keeps Caroline very close to it and away from the spectral light. It lies to her. It says things only a child can understand has been using her to restrain the others. To her it simply is another child. To us it is the beast. Now let's go
2: get your daughter. Okay, so you, me, and the cat are going to wrap this up because <laughs> the cat really wants fed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but basically, yeah, overall, uh, about 10-year-old kid, you think, to watch?
3: I think that's probably old enough uh, for the kids to watch it and... I mean, it's going to be, it's probably going to be a little scary for him, but I don't think it's going to be overwhelming, you know, yeah. for them. Um, you know, like I said, I was an adult when I, when I saw this, um, you know, I, I know about the movie and I, you know, saw commercials on it for, t- on TV and it was a scary movie, but I never watched it until I was an adult.
2: Yeah. And I'm, heck, I remember from watching this, there used to be at Worlds of Fun, this uh, Cyclone Sadie's it used to be like this little haunted thing you could walk through and probably thinks to movies like this, I was scared of ghosts in the dark and everything and. It it did, you know, it'll mess with you for a while, and I didn't do any, like, creepy stuff for a long time, because that poltergeist was as creepy as I needed to get, Mm -hmm. and so I didn't really do anything scary, and I don't think I really started to enjoy it until, you know, I think I'd read a few, like, spooky stories and some Edgar Allan Poe, maybe, uh, like, middle school age, Uh, but, yeah, I was not into scary stuff, but it's funny now that I absolutely love The Haunted Mansion. Which is kind of an unexpected thing because I've never been in it, but you know, after hearing the audio of it, uh, I, I think I've gained a more of an appreciation even for this movie now because I, I had a long gap where because it terrified me as a kid compared to when I've watched it later as I've grown, that I'm like, wow, this is, it's almost a ghost adventure because it has that Spielberg quality to it and it's got this creepy stuff and it's got, the effects actually I think still stand up.
3: Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, there's there's a few effects that you can tell, okay, this is old technology. Yeah. But it doesn't detract from what's happening at the time.
2: Yeah, they're, they're practical effects. There's definitely a puppet, but it looks like they put it in liquid and then superimposed it in the image, and it just kind of glows. But the movements give that cerebral, and it's like this weird, almost like this dragon thing. Yeah. And this movie was apparently scary enough that there is at Universal right now, they're during Halloween and uh, the... Halloween Horror Nights, if I can get that word out. Mm -hmm. They have made uh, some mazes. And both of them, I've seen videos on both coasts. They've got mazes based on this film. And they did a really good job of recreating the weird skeletal dragon thing you see at the end. And also the giant head of the beast actually comes out and scares you at one point. Uh, But I will warn some people... Well, I guess you're not going to take your kids to, to Halloween Horror Nights. But I did notice in the one in California, they do like to use the melted face guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what they call it, at least online. They say like a melted face. But he basically just like tears his face off in the scene that we, we think your kids probably don't want to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they have that guy like pop up repeatedly to jump out mm-hmm. to scare you. But they did a really neat job of recreating the house uh, in, in a fashion uh, to really you could walk through the movie. And I don't know which one I would prefer to walk through after looking through both. Uh, but they, they, each one of them did something really, really cool with it. So if you happen to be interested in going to Halloween Horror Nights, I kind of recommend, uh, if you've seen this film, go through the maze for it because I think you'll enjoy it. And there was Kitty running out the door. <laughs> yeah. I think we frightened the cat.
3: Mm, she's just being silly.
2: She's just being silly. Uh, but we're going to watch some more classic films. I have some plans of what I want to watch, but I'm not going to say because that plan may suddenly change uh, in the course of the week. I, I know what I want to watch because I'm trying to find stuff that I can make a Disney connection to. Uh, but we're going to get back to some black black and white ones because I'm not into modern horror and gore and stuff, but some of the classic scary type ghost stories. Suspense. And suspense. It, yeah. Oh, those are good. That Hitchcockian level. That's what I like. I, I like the first Halloween John Carpenter movie, but I, I, I did record the second one today on the DVR. We might check it out. I don't know. Mm-hmm. When it gets to be ridiculous slasher movies, I'm not into that, but yeah, that level of suspense I'm always into. So something that I could watch with kids, I'm, I'm more into that thing. And this is something I think you could watch with maybe some older kids. Probably don't need, want to watch it when you're six or seven years old like I was because yeah, it will stick with you the wrong way.
3: Yeah,
2: And it will make you terrified to look underneath your bed or have your ankles too close to the edge of your bed. Dude, which that was
3: me before I saw this. Like, I grew Doctor up... Doctor Who
2: dealt with that even once.
3: I, I did. I, I would jump from my bed to the landing, so I didn't have to get up. And I would jump from the landing to my bed if I had to get up and go to the bathroom at night.
2: Yeah, and I was afraid to look in the middle of the night underneath the bed. Oh, no, you
3: never looked underneath the bed. Mm-mm.
2: Mm-mm. And it was no. probably because of this freaky clown. And this is probably one of the reasons people are afraid of clowns. Between it and this toy, which is the... Why would you buy somebody this toy anyway? This clown toy is just horrible, I don't know. and I can't. And, and that's one thing I'd have to question. Why would Robbie position it on a chair that look overlooks his bed all the time? When you know he can't stand the sight of it in the dark, probably can't stand the sight of it in the day. But why sit it there then, Robbie? I don't know. It's it's something that helps for plot, but I, I that's the one thing that doesn't hold as realism. Because really, if you hated the sight of that toy, you put it in the closet and you never see that thing again, mm. or you tell mom, "Can we garage sell this thing? I really don't like it. It just it gives me the creeps." And then one day in the middle of the night, it will drag you under the bed.
3: (laughs) I had a book that was one of those audio like read-along kind of things that it was stories, scary stories. I could not sleep if that was in the house. As soon as we took it back to the library, I could sleep again
2: yeah see so don't traumatize your kids so maybe watch it I picked it
3: out I like scary stuff so I I picked that one out but
2: maybe sometimes you're too young for stuff so parents if maybe you want to watch the movie first or maybe you remember it from when you were younger you can make the decision you know your kids best you might have a kid who just loves this kind of stuff so but yep uh, I guess though we better wrap this up